0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. Excuse me, Veronica.
1: Yes, what is it, Brick? I would
0: like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party. The pants with the pants. Party with pants?
1: hello and welcome to the pants party I'm your host as always Harrison star HD underscore star on Twitter joined as always by Ben Ross Miley Ross incredible spoonerism right there and Ren boss 2 three on Twitter wow what a what a way to bring it home to start the podcast Ben how are you
0: is that a spoonerism is that the term for flipping the first letters of a first and last name or a name of something else?
1: I am
0: 95% sure that it is. I've never heard of that spoonerism. I'm Googling it right now. The verbal see. error in which in a speaker accidentally transposes the initial sounds or letters of two or more words, often for humorous effect. It is okay. fine. You, you have hissed the mystery lectures, is the example they give. You have missed the history lectures, so it's kind of funny. Cool. Invores them to every day. You're welcome.
1: Fantastic. Fantas- I can't believe I remembered it. It just like. That's nice. I like that. I, I need to find more things in uh, more space in my brain, maybe throw out what a spoonerism is and bring something else that, you know, is maybe more useful. But you know what? It's what it is. It's what it is. Ben, you had a wild and crazy weekends, um, enjoying, was it your first, uh, wedding since the pandemic began? Oh, this is my fourth. Oh, it is your fourth. <laughs> I knew that because you had your, <laughs> you, you had the fourth. one and I, I don't know why I, I wanted to Mo- like,
0: I had one Des Moines and then I've had two in Chicago uh,
1: since okay. then
0: and then, and then this one, okay. um, yeah, it's pretty wild stuff. This was definitely uh, the most quaint of them all. It was at a, on a farm in Lyons, Colorado, right outside of Boulder. It was truly, uh, truly really nice. It was his best friend from high school growing up. Um, so putting a bow on that was pretty great. You know, I've known this guy since I was like seven or eight. So, um, and his whole family, like even my parents were there. Um, it was a pretty, it was a nice little time. Highly recommend it.
1: That is fantastic. And were you able to trek out with the lads to to the parks, enjoy the mountains and and whatnot? Yeah,
0: yeah. On Sunday, it's all day Sunday, really. We went up. We went up to Estes Park. Uh, we did a, a it was like a four mile round trip hike out there. It was really awesome. Then we went and had lunch at the, something called the Stanley Hotel. It's supposed to be like a famous. It's a famous hotel that inspired Stephen King to write The Shining. Um, but the shining was filmed at, uh, a different resort, I think in Oregon somewhere, uh, Stanley hotel, there's a famous scene in Dumb and Dumber in it, um, got that picture, uh, the hotel bar scene there. And then, and then we went to Rocky mountain national park, drove around there for about uh, two and a half, three hours. Uh, it was a crazy day. I'm still sore. My voice is gone. I just tried to do a, a HIIT class, and I had to like I couldn't finish it. I couldn't breathe. I don't know what, what was going on there. I thought I'd be able to. I thought my <laughs> lung capacity. I thought my lung capacity would be expanding. I thought I was going to breathe through it, but I think it probably just a combination of no sleep, alcohol withdrawal, <laughs> other other withdrawals. Um, hopefully tomorrow we'll, we'll try it again. Well
1: good luck there. That that stinks cause I'm kinda with you. You kinda think, ah, spend spend a little time with the altitude. I, I I wonder what the math is on how how long you actually need to be there to gain the effects when you return to lake level for yeah, for exactly. for you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but
1: that's tremendous. That's tremendous. Did you see any fun wildlife?
0: We saw one huge moose at Rocky Mountain National Park Ooh. and then just tons of really cute chipmunks. But otherwise, no, the wildlife <clears throat> wasn't um, wasn't uh, as prevalent as maybe we were hoping.
1: That was what blew me away when we went to Colorado and Breckenridge was the goats, the mountain goats at one of the hikes. They just pop up, hang out, people getting way too close. Like, these are wild animals. Um Let's not take a risk that we don't need to take. But um, I guess that's that's the story.
0: We we went like for this for this bachelor party for the wedding. We went white water rafting in Colorado about a month ago, and on that trip we saw like thirty, you know, b- bighorn sheep and the the mountain goats that seem like they're standing up. Uh, at a perfectly ninety degree mountain face uh, out in the wilderness, so that was really cool, so I was able to you know two trips in Colorado in about a month I was able to get 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 my fix in
1: fantastic. It's a better weekend you had than I had on Friday. I decided to go to the hospital because I had neck pain that turned into chest pain, and don't worry, everything is fine, not that anyone's actually worrying about me um but what a lesson learned. What a lesson learned to check out of a hospital and be told that you have a thoracic strain. I wouldn't change it because like, you know, sometimes it's like every 10 years, maybe it makes sense to get a chest x-ray. But thoracic strain, what a funny thing to learn. I think I got it. (laughs) Oh, go ahead.
0: Well, what's the lesson that you learned? You just learned what a thoracic strain is? I
1: learned that I am getting old, Ben, oh, and okay. <laughs> th- this was the point that Jonah made in um, in our Slack. Just gotta embrace it. Time to go find some New Balance and you know rock the the high socks that all the kids are doing. But unironically, I think that's my problem. Is like I have to enjoy all of this stuff unironically. Um, when
0: we'll you say see. New Balance, you mean the footwear? The footwear. I've well, okay, and here a uh, quick rant. I am so mad at New Balance because <clears throat> I've always had, since I've been a, a child, they I've always had a 4e with foot, and they were the only shoes in the world that would that always consistently carry a 4e in some style. And now that they're finally getting popular, I've been wearing New Balances my entire life, and now all of a sudden, people who made fun of me. In college and even in high school wearing them are now wearing them and rocking them now that freaking NBA players are making them popular and Drake and all these yoo I want I'm so mad I like I couldn't why don't I get anything for having stock in New Balance for 27 of my 29 years on this earth it is so and meanwhile I'm looking at I've got like six pairs of New Balances on my that i just recently bought because they are so fresh now i'm glad that finally they're updating their style but (laughs) i i i feel i feel no vindication for being an early adopter of the new balance brand
1: you are a true footwear
0: uh like
1: first mover guy like you've been on the new balance forever you had crocs before they were cool and now they're cool like what are you wearing at this moment that will be cool in 10 years? I think that's the question.
0: It's, well, first of all, it's out of necessity. Because Crocs would come wide and new bounces would come wide. So I'm... <laughs> <laughs> this, my fashion statement is also function, which is awfully unique. What am I... Something that I am proud of that I'm copying currently... Um, I don't know. I've recently gotten into this hype golf brand, I guess three okay. years ago, called Malbin. And I learned about similar story, learned about it. I don't know, really know how I found out about it. And so I bought a couple of pieces from them a few years ago. And then all of a sudden one night I'm watching Kirby Enthusiasm and one of the characters is wearing a, the exact same crew neck sweatshirt I have from this brand. And again, I, I get no vindication for being an early adopter in my fashion sense. Um, uh, that's probably it for the most part, I guess I'm nothing, you know, pandemic f- fashion hasn't taken um, to uh, I haven't spent too much money on clothes recently i I mean, if you're a college football fan, you probably know about home field yeah I, I bought three pieces of Georgia attire from them, they dropped that a few weeks ago. I uh, got to wear that during the Georgia game on Saturday uh when I was in downtown Boulder. um That's about that, I think
1: Fun, fun stuff, I'm trying to think the the one thing that I was on early. Is seltzers. I was on those so fast, unironically, and then it's the classic case of everyone's into it ironically, and then now they're everywhere. And I I think we jumped the shark with them finally, because I had the Bud Light fall flannel ones, and this was a Twitter interaction. I review them on my Instagram too. Anyways genuinely horrible flavors. And I think the conclusion that I've come to is if it is a flavor that sounds like a candle scent, get out of get out of here. And there were at least 3 of the 4 that sounded like candles or sounded like candle scents, toasted marshmallow, maple pear, and apple crisp. Pumpkin spice was fine, apple crisp was okay, but it's like genuinely bad stuff. Sorry, but sweet Light.
0: the sweet seltzer doesn't. And I know, like by definition, are kind of a little bit sweeter, but like this, I guess putting uh, candy or you know uh, what's the word novelties and the, the name does not appeal to me at all.
1: No, because it's like if you're gonna have that that flavor profile, like the toasted marshmallow. If pulled off correctly, it's basically the alcoholic root beers that were kind of big, briefly, maybe five to six Not years Got your father's ago. root beer? Yeah, that one.
0: See, that thing was like, <clears throat> those were like genuinely delicious. They were. They were so full of sugar. Exactly. Like you, couldn't, you couldn't have, really couldn't have more than one. Otherwise, it felt like there's a coat of film on your teeth when you have one, after you have one.
1: That's exactly what it was. Um, except it is probably... Forty percent of the calories. Somehow it feels as the. Uh, uh, no need to rant. I was on Seltzer's first. I did a blog post. You were, yeah.
0: You you. I remember the Seltzer reviews. Is that still pinned to your Instagram?
1: Yeah, some of them are. I need to go back through and get them back because um, I've I've done some
0: over the summer. Um, well, it'd be interesting to see the evolution because <clears throat> I remember when so, so was White Claw was the summer of White Claw was in twenty eighteen or twenty seventeen.
1: I think it was eighteen.
0: I think. So I think not that it really matters. So, but you know, I've been going up to the exact same lake house with the same group of people for Fourth of July for the past, you know, seven, eight, nine years. And in twenty eighteen, you know, all all the girlfriends, all the wives, all the fiancés, it was don't even talk to me unless you're handing me a white claw. And so, like that, that's that's all they would drink. And then now, fast forward to twenty twenty one, we all the you know. The guy, the men do the the the, the liquor purchasing, because uh, chivalry isn't dead, and white claws don't get touched the entire weekend. Case like six cases of white claw. Girls will not even you know turn their nose at them because now it's all vizies and lover boy and whatever, whatever, whatever. I think lover boy is at the one that's on the Bachelor, which whichever there's, I know there's a substance on the Bachelor. Or, bachelor forward or um uh, there's a new okay. seltzer called nude that was truly the worst thing i've ever tasted in my entire life um high noons which actually i, I really do enjoy but it's just all they also happen to be the most expensive freaking thing in the entire liquor store um it, i think it's like 20 bucks for a six-pack right the high noons are that expensive oh, oh they're, they're so expensive i i probably haven't touched those if they're that
1: expensive because they're like... not
0: they're not seltzer it's it's vodka Oh, yeah, it's the is, it's the, yeah.
1: the canned mixed drink that they yeah. – Yep, yep, yep. Uh, man. Ranch
0: waters were big, or I can't remember if the ranch water or cut water. Those were big. I actually did enjoy those. They had one that was a Paloma in a can. Really enjoyed that.
1: It's, for me, the agave, it's like it's so hit or miss with the agave as the sweetener versus mm-hmm. sugar or just whatever it is. But um, done well, it's good. Done well, it's good. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, Ben, we have an exciting game to briefly recap. Uh, I think Thad and Rob did a hell of a job uh, on the other, the All Eyes podcast, um, going through, you know, really in depth everything. So we just want to cover it off, put a bow on the Iowa Indiana game, um, because, hey, we, we, we haven't chatted in a while. We weren't able to do the instant. Um, maybe this weekend, who knows? Uh, probably depends. And then, um, you know, so so I guess what are, what is your main takeaway? And then we can maybe dive into some of the other stuff.
0: So my main takeaway is, and I know we probably, I should probably have it be more Iowa four, but my main takeaway is, and I'm going to say this because you mentioned Thad and Rob, and I know I like to joke about how we're the only Hawkeye football podcast, but on their preview, I was listening on the flight to to Boulder, and they, I can't remember if it was that or Rob who brought up that this is, you know, Penix was going into his third, uh, he just had three season-ending injuries, three seasons in a row, and I think that they named three or four other athletes who had consecutive season-ending injuries, and they were all guys who were never the same again, because they were, you know, through absolutely no fault of their own, either afraid to get hit again, or just weren't the same, because, you know, Pinnocks had the same ACL twice, right? And so, listening to that, thinking about that, it kind of, you know, I'm not a huge gambler, but it made me, you know, put money on Iowa, because I truly believe that, and I think that was so true on, uh, during the game. Penix was not the same player he was last year. He, I don't want to say he was scared to get hurt because I, maybe he wasn't scared. He just didn't have the, wasn't capable of doing what he has been able to do because he's, uh, you know, it's sad. Um, unfortunately just isn't, isn't the same player. Wasn't able to, his body, his legs, his arm, uh, wasn't able to do the the things he, 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 you know, he'd be able to do if he, um, and had, haven't had, hasn't had some really bad luck, and at the same time, you have to credit Iowa because maybe you know if, if that not not to knock on that and Rob, but if they're saying that, I, you know, I'm assuming the Iowa coaches are thinking that and saying that too, and creating you know, we love Phil Parker here, Harrison. Um, I'm he assuming did. he he created. You know, I, I watched more um, cross blocking between the defensive tackles and defensive ends on the Iowa defensive line than I can remember in a single game, in uh, quite some time. It'd be interesting to see if there's any way to track that that number of those statistics, statistics because, uh, you know, the, the 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 you know having the nine rotational defensive linemen, they they did an excellent job of battling pen, with Penix, making him uncomfortable. Only one sack, but like, it's, I'm not concerned because he threw three interceptions and should have thrown five. Um, arguably should have thrown six, you know, the, the defensive line might've been the straw that stirred the drink for the defensive backfield. And that's just, you know, the biggest takeaway is this Hawkeye defense can be salty, absolutely salty. And I, I think it's really easy to draw that conclusion. And for, you know, one reason or another, it's a little tougher, I think, to draw any conclusions about the offensive performance because the defense gave it 14 points. So that just made, you know, that allowed the team to get as conservative as it needed to be or just, you know, really just sit on the neck of, of Indiana because right away you're at a 20, what was it, 21 nothing lead, 21 3 lead? Um, mm-hmm. That was that was it, game over.
1: Yeah. I, not only do you deserve a lot of credit for the bet that you made, but you are also far and away the most confident about Iowa even at the time that we had submitted our our little write-ups for um for our our weekly post you're the only one who had it as more than a single possession game and you know I mean credit there
0: I didn't Um, even know that that's funny
1: (laughs) but but I think that that is probably the main one because I it's tough to discern like how much of it is Penix facing an opponent that's allowed to hit him. Right. Because I think that that's, you can be a hundred percent in practice. Like presumably he was all fall camp. Um, But it's another thing when you have to deal with guys who are going to hit you and um, you know, like you said, it was just one sack, but it immediately became apparent that Penix was not necessarily the the same guy that he was um, throughout much of last year. Now I think maybe the interesting thing is like, you kind of go back, you look at his game logs and he was super accurate his freshman year. I think he was well in the sixties then, but last year he was kind of mid fifties had a real bad game against Maryland, which I think is where, where he was injured. Um, but, the yards per attempt just ramped up because he was doing all those things I think he he had five he had a guy who's now in the NFL Ty Fo goal they were just streaking down the field doing all sorts of things. Um, now this is where like that symbiotic relationship right between the defensive line and the defensive backfield are so important because hey, I was not allowing these guys to get loose. Maybe two big plays out of the past game. But they're also able to get into the backfield, which forces those quick plays. And I'm not saying anything that no one necessarily doesn't know. But, like, it, it was surprising to me to see the defensive line play as well as they did because they're kind of a no-name bunch for, like, lack of a better framing of it. Like, none of them are built like the classic defensive tackles, maybe Shannon and Black aside, but you didn't really see them do a whole lot. Um, Logan Lee, um, he was real good. And I think Van Ness was maybe the one that came the most out of nowhere just because, oh, he's he's playing inside. He came in as a, an end. He doesn't look like a defensive tackle by any means, but he's just living in the backfield. Um, and to be frank, like towards most of the second half, it's like kind of hard to pay attention because I was just doing their job so well on defense. And then it's like, uh, I got a toddler to watch. So I'm going to have one. eye here, one, one eye on the kid. And you know, it it was, (laughs) it was a, a hell of a Saturday. That's for sure. Um, and I mean, I guess, you know, I have to toot my own horn. I predicted the Riley Moss pick six, different context, but... Mm-hmm, um, you did. Uh, I guess I,
0: I technically I was wrong because he got two. Okay, I mean, I don't think... <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't the crisis, right? Where you, where you lose for going over. <laughs> uh, I mean, and going back to like sort of, I guess... This is just all masturbatory between us, because now I was going to say, I'm, I'm going to go back to last week where I said, I mean, wouldn't you be more surprised if this defensive line totally went out and looked like a bunch of zeros instead of how they looked on Saturday too? And you said it was sort of a bunch of no-namers. I mean, I started defensive end. Zach Van Valkenberg was playing Division three football two yeah. years ago. Like, I mean, just, and Logan Lee was an offensive line cr- recruit, right? Or maybe even tight end. He wasn't yeah, a that's defensive what, Yeah. He wasn't a defensive line recruit, so sorry, did you, did you already just say that? Um, yeah, tight end, yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, so yeah, it's we know who Phil Parker is, and this is him.
1: I think is, and we'll talk about it probably a little more as we, we talk about Iowa State, but I think is there too much fool's gold in In this defensive performance was the QB was Penix just so not himself that what we saw out of Iowa's defense is easy to overrate as we kind of look at it from from a week one to week two overreaction standpoint is that maybe the single unit in the Big Ten that's the most easy to to have a a uh, wild opinion about that maybe doesn't come true in the future.
0: That's a great way to say it. Fool's gold, and I think it is because, again, I, I think Indiana is just not a good team. I think this this <laughs> I think this Indiana is this, is the same Indiana that Indiana always Indianas, you know, I don't think (laughs) Tom Allen is a great coach. I think, you know, Ty Freifogel is a nice player, but was there an offensive, was there any Indiana offensive lineman that you think would have started on the Iowa offensive line Um, out of Freifogel? Were there any skill position players that would have started for Iowa? And like, I wasn't totally and completely loaded on the offensive line this year. They're not totally and completely loaded at skill position. Arguably, they are, maybe. I mean, we can make that argument if you want. But, and then, you know, Tom Allen is supposed to be some defensive mastermind, I guess. Is If his since his offense, or his, Tom Allen's offense, you know, may put his defense in a 14-point hole, it's a little bit tougher. Um, and Iowa's offense didn't need to do a lot of things to, 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 to give the Indiana defense any fits. But I just, you know, looking at this Indiana schedule, I mean, they got Cincinnati in two weeks. Um, they got, you know, and after Cincinnati, it's Western Kentucky, then Penn State, then Indiana, then Ohio State or excuse me, yeah, Penn State, Michigan State, then Ohio State. Um, three straight weeks. Like, I kind of think the, the the Hoosiers are going to be Hoosiers um, once we reach the end of November.
1: Yeah, I, I think that retrospectively that's an under that I probably wish I had felt yeah, a little too. more confident in. Too. Um, and I guess maybe Fool's Gold is probably a little strong. But, like, anytime your defense outscores the opponent's offense,
0: that speaks for itself, right? Mm-hmm. That... And, I mean, Michael <laughs> Penix, was, he was a dark horse, all Big Ten quarterback of the year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of wild. I want to talk about, like, the state of quarterback play in the Big Ten if we get to it today. Because, brutal, brutal. Anyways... Um, switching over to the offense just a little bit, kind of a lot like the defense, um, Iowa just got into their zone of doing what an Iowa football team does. And again, it's like, how much do you take away from it? But also they did their job for the most part. There was the, the one, I would call it one bad fumble by Ivory Kelly Martin. I think the Goodson one, it sounds like, I think that was probably a little closer to 50-50. Maybe it's whatever they call on the field is what play stands. Um, But they did happen. I I thought that the the run call to get the touchdown, to me and my, it was a great call. I I liked what they did with um, the tight end alignment, having Laporta on the outside and Lachey, kind of as the the big guy, um, probably a little closer to tight end height, he was able to, to just be that sixth offensive lineman. And, I mean, this is where, like, the Indiana thing just kind of blew my mind. Like, how poorly coached do you have to be to not be ready for a, an outside zone to the boundary against Iowa?
0: I don't get it. And, like, I think the cornerback, like, knifed or, like, totally overcommitted on that play, too. Like, how you, – you should have seen this play nine dozen times in, in film. Like, w- what is he doing? Um, <laughs> uh, I'm glad you brought up Lachey. I think he looked absolutely great. He looked really, really good. Um, and yeah, as much as you can from his performance. But it's, like, between him and the were, like, the only two receivers of note. You know, maybe that's um, petrus Trying to still get a little comfortable. He I, he did have some pretty happy feet, but I mean, he didn't make any mistakes. You know, he always had made the safe throwaway play, uh, only got sacked once. That wasn't his fault. He had the great, he looked, I mean, how hard is it to run up the middle 10 yards when he got to, <laughs> you know, running behind Tyler Linderbaum? But that, <laughs> that, um, that draw was a great call. Um, overall, I mean, honestly, I think it was a pretty nice day for Brian Ferris. Um, the the wildcat plays were perfect every time. I, I how many were there?
1: Uh, well, I think that's the that was that would maybe be my one like true complaint because it, it seemed a little stale in the second half. There was one where it lost five yards, and to me, it's just they just put him, they put Goodson back there and not necessarily teed them up, but they just you know like Iowa does sometimes they just telegraph where the ball's going and win, and it's easy for a defense to get it. So uh, I, we've seen enough out of the Wildcat not to be too concerned, but it's, it was just like a nice little Saturday cruise. Uh, uh, I can be mad at Brian if I want to, but it, it, now it's not the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's tough to be mad. And, you know, it's I, I always go, the comments have been a flutter everywhere, not just on our site, about how, you know they they kept the they kept the playbook conservative in the second half because of Iowa State and people said the same thing about Iowa State and they're in their, in their <laughs> struggling win against you and I and I just I I, I I always say I don't believe that because like you think Bill Belichick saves plays you think Nick Saban saves plays? I don't think he does. they do but at, at the same time, I just want to believe it <laughs> for the sake of being a fan
1: I don't know if they necessarily save plays, but I think they save urgency. Like... Oh, yeah. I was... One, I don't know if... I, I think this bears out. Petrus on kind of the play action, that is a concerning statistic That's that, that that had in the rewatch at 2 of 7. I think that was when one of his sacks came. Yep. Um, that's a current concerning statistic because that's, you know, ideally how you balance the pass against the threat to run, right? So um, that needs to improve, but I don't know. Like, Brian's had some success calling plays with the play action. Like, I think about, like, the one with Hawkinson way back when uh, in Penn State, and I don't know if we'll necessarily see Iowa pull out a lot of trickeration, but I think that that's the kind of game plan which would really benefit Iowa going into – into the Iowa State game is just trying to grind every single chance that they have. And I, I don't know if you we want to turn to Iowa State now, but I think that th- there's just not much to take from the Iowa offensive performance because there is not much given, 300 yards. But when you put up 34 points, it's nitpicking um, because... Uh, I was just not concerned with putting up yards for yard's sake. They'll put Tory Taylor back there and have him kick it into the end zone against his will. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Is there anything else you'd like to add about the, the IU game?
0: No. I mean, I did rewatch it, but, I, you know, I, I only saw, live, I only saw the second and third quarters because not a single freaking bar in the entire downtown Boulder area carries a Big Ten network, so I had to take an Uber to a crazy dive bar on the outskirts of town, and by the time, you know, I got there, it was the second quarter, and for the third quarter, we were blowing them out, so I took an Uber back to where all my friends and family were cause I didn't want to, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I started feeling a little bad about being away from them. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun to be a part of, fun, fun to see. I'm really glad, you know, I'm really glad we got the win. And again, I'll toot my horn some more. Totally expected. (laughs) Totally
1: expected. Indeed. So
0: as we think a little bit about
1: the Iowa State game, where
0: is your
1: head right now?
0: So it's tough for me because I didn't see a single second of the, their game, um, I, and I really—I'll be honest—I haven't really read anything. I haven't read any articles. I haven't all everything I've read about the recapping was has been on Twitter. I—I um, <clears throat> I know like who Charlie Kohler didn't play right, and he might not play against Iowa either, which I think is a huge loss for them. Um, I heard Purdy, you know, kind of looked like butt cheeks. Um, but at the same time, how many times has Iowa struggled with a lesser opponent? <laughs> not not or, or this very team, this very program. You and I to start the year and then gone on. I mean, talk about 2009. You know, it's the biggest thing. Uh, again, without having seen the way Iowa State played, and so even even if I, if I did watch that game in its entirety. I don't think I'd come away with any brilliant analysis. Uh, just simply because I, I don't watch any Iowa State football, <laughs> uh, I watch I watch one Iowa State game a year, and <laughs> so I, it, it's whatever. I I'll, I mean I'll say I'm glad they won. I think this game this would be this game would be a huge downer. It, it would be a huge downer if they were 0 1 going in into this. It's uh, I'm glad I was cheering for Iowa State to win, and uh, I'm glad they did pull it off. I'm glad we were getting game day for the second time and as many opportunities um for this for for this game and I'm glad it's a top 10 matchup I'm glad the state is sinking in sinking its teeth into what could be the not only the most important Iowa State game of all time but all, maybe perhaps the last important Iowa State game depending on how these conferences shake out so I'm, I'm really glad it's happening
1: I think that's the first place to be is like super excited that it's happening I'm not here for a lot of the just horrible discourse about colors and jerseys i'm sorry it's so dumb
0: it's so um, like who, think like dude i will think about the jerseys i wore for against ohio state in 27 every program does this and then the the freaking the, the wing jerseys we wore against penn state in 2019 like it, it's whatever jersey discourse is stupid the pants
1: party official uh podcast of no jersey discourse um but yeah i mean I, I, t- to your point i have very similar habits when it comes to watching iowa state and basically the only thing that i really took away because i didn't watch it, it as roughly the same time as the the iowa game was that on hawkeye Gil- game film ba- pretty not a competitor. Somehow, I don't know how he doesn't have like a because super because cool he's website. anonymous
0: because he's anonymous.
1: Fantastic I point.
0: I don't I don't throw fisticuffs with fake people.
1: <laughs>
0: fake people. Um,
1: but it it just seems like I you and I was not going to let Brees Hall beat them, and he barely did. And Brock Purdy, you know. Hit all his underneath routes, miss on a couple big ones, and that's how you end up in a tight ball game against a lesser opponent. Now, I, I did go back and like do some statistics because Gukan had some interesting like first game stats. Um, and why does Iowa State open with UNI? That is my question because they've opened with them. Four times. They've lost once. I can't remember the other. Uh, most Mostly tight games. Um, why are you doing that to yourself? Open with a team that doesn't have like. <laughs> all this pent up energy. Their game planning for the first game. This is a true Super Bowl situation. Right. I mean that's kind of. Uh, some of the discourse that, that occurs is. Oh it's someone's Super Bowl. This is. You and I's Super Bowl in some respects. So I don't know why you give them all offseason to prepare for it. That would be my one recommendation. Free advice for Iowa State play you and I, don't play them in game one. Dumb idea. Dumb idea. Um, but I mean, I think the, the thing that concerns me about Iowa State is that. Iowa just seems like a very easy team to defend, and part of that is by, I think, design in terms of the complementary football. That is the term to use now about the Iowa offense. Part of it is personnel. Tyrone Tracy, I think, has potential to be pretty high-octane. Goodson, same, but the things just need to break in such the right way for them to get loose that it's a little concerning right um but maybe iowa state's the type of team that um iowa might be able to run that post that tracy had that 75 yard touchdown for against wisconsin maybe that's there um maybe by some grace of god they forget how to defend uh zone run to the boundary. Um, But, broadly speaking, like Iowa isn't going to necessarily force Iowa State to make mistakes, I don't think. I don't think, unless we think that um, Iowa's holding on to a lot of stuff going into the Iowa State game.
0: I guess I I kind of know what you mean, because it feels like... Iowa has two impact players on offense, and Tracy and, and, and Goodson, and maybe it's easy to isolate them because sort of <clears throat> the guys behind them don't necessarily uh, bring too much to the table. You know, I mean, Carol, Kelly Martin's a fine player, and I love Nico Regani and Charlie Jones. And uh, I look, Porta, I think, is probably an impact player too, and potentially Lachey. Uh, but it's – you know, the Tyler Goodson isn't the type of runner, I think, where he's like like Minnesota's – it's too bad he's out for the season now, but Mohamed Ibrahim where Iowa can just feed the ball 30 times a game and get a guaranteed, you know, 250-yard performance out of him, I think. He's just not that type of running back, and that's fine because he does a lot of other things that other players can't do. Um, so Iowa just can't lean, you know, the, the two – You know, maybe I was too. uh, The way I'm trying to, what I'm trying to articulate is, Iowa can't really lean on maybe most two most talented players because uh, I I just think the way that Iowa operates is it's easy to scheme to to take away playmakers. Um, You know, that's sort of how TJ Hawkinson became a thing because teams started double teaming Noah Fant, right? And that's sort of how um, you, you know George Kittle didn't really blossom at Iowa because there was nobody else, uh, no, no no great impact player on offense to really uh, scheme for defenses, even though that was, you know, the 12 and 0 year. Um, that team was just so balanced and I'm not, saying, you know, I'm not saying Tyler Goodson isn't going to have an 180-yard performance or even Tracy could have 100 yards and three touchdowns. Like, uh, you know, Iowa State's definitely prone to letting an Iowa receiver get get loose. You know, Amir Smith-Marset really sort of owned, has owned Iowa State in his his entire four-year career. Um, But he's just the type of player, I guess, that, you know, again, I think Tyron Joyce is a fine player, but Amir Smith-Marset is... Going to be a number three is as a rookie is going to be the number three wide receiver for one of the better potentially one of the best offenses in of the NFL this year. So it's just it's tough, and that's why I sort of want to believe that the you know Brian kept the playbook closed this week.
1: Yeah, week. I think yeah, I think the thing that I'm holding on to maybe two things. I'm holding on to the fact that. Keegan Johnson, after being on the depth chart, basically all offseason, right, as a true freshman, didn't really see the field in relevant fashion week one. And I'm holding on to hope that Charlie Jones, one, is 100%, but two, he can serve as that kind of top remover of a defense and that Iowa just didn't really leverage that um i think we've seen what brian can do with two tight ends and a super unique game plan like he did against ohio state now is a road environment with petrus's first start is that the time to break out the 2017 varietal uh maybe maybe not um But that's kind of where I come back to the type of game plan Iowa probably needs to run is what we saw in that 2018 game at Penn State, where they were just probably a little reckless if we're being straight up. like They had um, the fake field goal. I think we're due for a fake field goal soon. uh, That Sam Brinks got the touchdown. Um, They had that play I mentioned earlier with Hawkinson going deep. They had the super weird Peyton Mansell play. Um, that was maybe Kirk Ferentz's worst moment somehow that season. Because that, that swung the game as much as any single game that I always had, any single play uh, that season. Um, and I feel like there's another one. But they also had like a safety they had the defensive touchdown. Like I think they're they're going to need to get so much from so many different areas that, and I'm operating under the assumption that Vegas is right that this Iowa State team is the better team, even on a neutral field. Um, and I think that that's probably a fair assumption to have, just because we have not seen Spencer Petrus play in a road environment. Now, is he the type of kid that can go out there? and be a heel. I, maybe he can, um, but we haven't necessarily seen that yet. And that's why I am not so optimistic.
0: I guess I'd love to sit here and turn my argument about, Iowa's defensive line over to its quarterback and say, wouldn't you be more surprised if Petris was totally and completely, but um, against Iowa state, instead of being, you know, a revelation or even just, you know, competent or satisfactory or, um, passable. And I don't think I totally and completely believe my own argument. Um, it just doesn't feel that way because I didn't, you know, you, you and I, I think we have a a tough time saying bad things about these college kids. (laughs) I think, which I think is the way to do it. But I just wasn't super impressed with him. That the, him moving his feet so fast every time he did a three-step five-step drop it was just something pretty crazy to me you know that being said some players i think you made this argument last year you know they, they, they 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 get up for the for the for the for the for the gosh um my brain cells are dead. For the environment, for you know, a big, some players perform so much better in such in a hostile environment. They need the they need to get hit to really start you know believe it. And that's something that we lacked in, in 2020, obviously. Um, so I guess the argument I'm trying to make is I won't be surprised if Petrus all of a sudden is a totally different player in a road environment because maybe he can he's a competitor and can thrive in that sort of um, in, in that sort of environment, in that hostile place, you know, because um, it's definitely going to be, you know, the toughest place he's ever played as a Hawkeye. And I don't know. I, I guess I just w- wish I had a little bit more confidence in him. Um, and <laughs> after seeing Alex Padilla's series. Oh, God, Yeah. Yeah, I know it's you know we're gonna we're gonna be riding a Petrus bus all season if he's healthy.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, starting to hope that he is healthy. I, I think here to to bring to answer that question that you had at the beginning, would I be surprised if Petrus went out there and played genuinely horribly? I actually think I would be. Now I'm not saying I think he's gonna go out there and win the game for Iowa. But I'm saying that the way Iowa football has constructed this team around him is that, and his mindset too, is not making any mistakes. And maybe the environment forces him to. But in a weird way, I'm kind of confident that He's not going to play so bad that Iowa is not in it. Um, So, maybe this is just me being too confident in Iowa's defense, per usual. Um, But, it it still just kind of comes back to, we, we know what he is and he manages games. He doesn't make mistakes outside of the first two games last year. And he doesn't really make any whoa plays um and maybe that's just what iowa needs in their quarterback right now
0: i think to put it more simply what you're saying correct me if i'm wrong but he's not going to single-handedly lose a game for iowa but he's not going to single-handedly win the game for iowa either bingo okay and i think that's right i think a lot of people feel that way i bet and i think it's a pretty you know astute observation
1: from a defensive perspective, is there anything that scares you?
0: I mean, is Brees Hall really uh, that good? I, I don't know. That's the thing. Like, he was he was first team All-American last year, right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I he deservedly so. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then Charlie Kohler, I, I, I mean, I did know he was, he wasn't he first team All-American too? He was not first team,
1: I believe. He was in the, the range, though. I think he mm-hmm. was second or third.
0: So like that's in a you know first team American running back and in an incredible tight end Iowa State's doing their best Iowa impression right now on offense. I mean, late mid two thousands Iowa. I guess. Uh, I mean, no. Like since forty four forty one has Iowa State ever totally and completely embarrassed of, uh, an Iowa defense?
1: Not. Really? really, I mean, there were the, there were really those two games, um, but I think what what I looked at earlier this summer was the only time Iowa has lost this game since they got their monkey off the back in 2003 was by double digits was when Drew Tate concussed himself. Now, I think that that team relied far more far much far more on Drew Tate than this team relies on Petris but i think that that was that's kind of the template for Iowa State to win big is for everything to go wrong for Iowa now i think if you're an Iowa State fan what you have to feel good about is like they should be the better team like, I mean, they should be able to weather some mistakes. They just should. I mean, I, like, I, I think that unless Matt Campbell is so far in his head against Iowa that it's just something he can't overcome. Like, I mean, I, I, I just, maybe I'm just spitting myself up into thinking that Iowa State really is the better team. But I, I I just don't like some of the numbers that are going against Iowa as well. And, you know, it's going to feel like a huge victory if Iowa wins. It, it will, because it is.
0: Well, yeah, it's a top, over, victory over Aaron State rival, top 10 team. It'll be, of course, it'll be a huge victory. I do like how you said, you know, Matt Campbell um, could be super in his own head. And he could, you know, he could pull P.J. Fleck and lose this game for his team. Like, that seems like a totally likely scenario. Yeah. Um, I guess the thing is that I am concerned about, I think Iowa State, on paper at least, has a huge advantage on both lines, right? Maybe less pronounced after we saw some good things from the Iowa defensive line last week. But the offensive line still wasn't wasn't super, but they didn't need to be either. But it, I feel like doesn't Iowa State have like three or four, um, between the two lines, three or four real NFL prospects, um, you know, size and everything, I guess, uh, and that's just, you know, classic bully football. But, again, th- those being able to sort of scheme around those, and now now I'm thinking about, you know, that All-American <laughs> running back running behind this great offensive line, and I may be a little bit scared, but I'd be more scared if, you know, Brock Purdy was a true dual-threat quarterback and Iowa State had, you know, a, a David Bell and, um, you know, ran a, a Purdue-like offense.
1: I think the thing that I am perked up on after watching some of these games is are super veteran offensive lines actually good offensive lines? Because what we saw from Indiana, super veteran line, get run roughshod over by the Iowa line. We've seen this from Illinois' line twice. Um, very average, despite being very old. I'm wondering if that will carry over to Iowa State. Now, again, I think that Indiana playing in a road environment is the same thing that Iowa's going to face playing in a road environment. But that's something that I'm just curious about. Like, are super veteran offensive lines actually good? Or if they were... If they were better offensive linemen, they wouldn't be playing the sport, I guess is basically the sport being college football versus pro football.
0: I, I mean, that's a really nice observation. I kind of I, I kind of want to buy into it <clears throat> because I was definitely had a couple of players um, on its offensive line in the past who you're kind of wondering that he's been here four years, why isn't he better? Um, but – or five years in some, in some cases even um, – I mean, yeah, that, that's the truth of it. I so I do. I want to buy into that. <clears throat> that that it, it's Ewing theory adjacent. I guess I don't know what you yeah. want to call it. We'll think of a name. Um, but sure, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll try and I'll try and find any daisies in this uh, foreign patch when I when you give them to me.
1: So, so do you want to make a prediction or and or series of predictions?
0: Oh, like we did for Indiana? Yes. Um, yeah, let me think. Alrighty, I will
1: start then. Okay. Um,
0: yeah, if you're ready, go.
1: I think Iowa loses. I think it okay. is um, low scoring one and I think it goes into overtime. So, that is where my head's at and I think that Iowa fans will come out feeling better about themselves. That's how they're going to spin it. An overtime loss at a top 10 team. And I, I, that's what I think will happen. I don't know that anyone will have a huge game um, other than I think the one prediction that I might, as I think about kind of the matchup to watch, is I think Justin Jacobs is officially, and this is hopping on the bandwagon with Rob Donaldson. I think... He starts to look like an incredible linebacker, as if he doesn't already. But um, I think he starts to make his name this week.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's uh, I, uh, when I was watching, you know, I was specifically the rewatch that Thad put out with Justin Jacobs. Certainly incredibly impressed with what he was able to do. Um, my predictions, I just, it doesn't feel like. I was going to lose this one um, with all the momentum going their way uh, after the Indiana win. I think you know the offense does struggle. I, I think it's sort of leading up to be uh, like the similar, you know, the, the just get us fourteen game like I had against Michigan in twenty sixteen. Um, yes, I can't, can't Yeah, I can't remember the exact year, but it kind of feels like that. It feels like the Iowa's defensive backs are just too really too much for. Um, <clears throat> pretty to handle. And I guess my only real exotic, let's say prediction is I think instead of getting a pick this week, Riley Moss gets a sack.
1: Ooh, there it is. Mm. Mm-hmm. There it is. Did you, sorry, I, I missed the beginning. Did you have Iowa as a winner
0: or a loss? I, I think Iowa wins. I think it's okay. really, you know, 14-10, 14, 10, 14, seven win. And I think Ooh, we we're able okay. we're, we're really able to keep, um, I was stayed out of the end zone because, uh, sure. Call me Brees Hall Truther, despite not really having any evidence at all to back up that claim.
1: <laughs> I don't think I want to get into a Big Twelve doesn't play defense argument here. Um, yeah. So as we wind down, wanted to take a little tour around the Big Ten, and I think. um the one thing I want to start with is not so good on the Bielema bus right now. Um, you know,
0: running yeah, into stuff, running into the road runners.
1: Yeah. Literally running into road runners. Um, he is the coyote and it, it just checks out. So, so little disappointed there. And that's why I am like super conscious, maybe too much. So of, the overreactions. Um,
0: wasn't Vegas kind of right on that? Weren't they? Only, wasn't Illinois only favored by like three,
1: five? I should okay. have known. Okay. I should have known. Um, so there's that. And then the <laughs> Penn State Wisconsin game. It was big noon Saturday, big nude Saturday, as uh, Matt Cable calls it. And I had to make a decision at halftime as to whether I wanted to go run errands or get into a discussion about me watching a game that does not concern Iowa and I decided to go to Sam's Club and just
0: Smart. follow it
1: on my phone tangentially because it's it was 00 and there are more important things to have discussions about.
0: By, by the time we got from the Denver airport to, to where we were staying in Boulder, it, it was halftime. It was zero zero. And we didn't even bother to try and uh, hustling out to, to see that. Game I, knew. Well, I knew I was going to try and, I knew I was going to try and I was attend attempting or intending on spending four hours of that afternoon watching Iowa. So I didn't need to add any more hours to that, to that uptick. Uh, so I didn't really watch. It. I didn't watch any of that game. I haven't I haven't suck out any ho- highlights, quote unquote. I just read. I did. I did read some of the gamers for that. And then, <clears throat> I've been to Graham Mertz, talking about trutherism. Graham, Mertz, we are. He's stinky. He's very stinky. We are stinky. the podcast. And <laughs> I would. I can't wait to see how the season progresses because I'm next weekend. I'm going to Notre Dame, Wisconsin, here in Chicago at Soldier oh, yeah. Field. And you know who Notre Dame's quarterback is?
1: Jack Cohn, baby.
0: Former Badger quarterback Jack Cohn. Like the whole the storyline is writing itself for Jack Cohn is to drag drag himself right in front of Paul Crist, um, and just prove that you know he, they made they chose the wrong guy. Um, and I, um, look, you know, as much as I hate Notre Dame, I, these are probably my two least favorite college football programs <laughs> and <I'm laughs> paying money to go see because <laughs> I love self inflicted pain. Um, I'm a masochist by nature. Uh, there was another point I was, did want to make, but now I can but remember, isn't this wasn't this year prediction though, that Penn state was going to be Wisconsin's only loss on the year. Do you still oh. believe that?
1: No, I had it as Auburn was going to be Penn State's only loss. Oh, okay. And that was a dumb, dumb prediction. But I still stand by Penn State as the Big Ten championship. Big Ten champion. I actually... Because I was able to watch the first half and the last half of the fourth quarter. And... Like... Graham Mertz is not a good quarterback. Like, and this is my take is if you're a junior in college and they're still talking about you as a recruit, you are not a good quarterback. And Matt Leinert's pulling up on a boat in Madison saying, hey, man, you're the highest rated quarterback ever to choose Wisconsin. It's like this, this guy is Spencer Petras if he doesn't play Illinois. And we would not be hyping up Spencer Petrus as the best quarterback recruit if we have X games that we've seen him not play like that. So that's why we're Graham Mertz is probably the only guy that we actually rag on as a college college athlete and then a certain basketball player. Um so that's that's uh the Wisconsin-Penn State stuff. I think the interesting one was Northwestern-Michigan State. I did not expect something so weird like that to happen.
0: Um, you talked me off the ledge. I was about to lay a boatload of money on Northwestern, and you talked me off the ledge I th- either post-podcast last week or mid-podcast because I was shocked. I think they were only favored by three, and you just said Northwestern had lost however many starters from last year. and And that kind of, and then I, And then I read Mel Tucker got 40 transfers literally 4-0 <laughs> from other schools. And I was like, okay, coin flip, and um, it was a snoozer. And, like, that Michigan State team looked like a, um, a Mark D'Antonio Michigan State team, really. Like, they had an incredible running back, quarterback was serviceable. Oh, and then talking about old Michigan State quarterbacks, freaking um, the guy from Iowa, Rocky Lombardi for NIU, he goes in and they, they, he, they beat an FBS team uh, this week. Um, so just crazy parody going on, uh, or Northern Illinois, not Northern Iowa, excuse me. Um, just crazy parody out of that game. And then the Minnesota House State game the night before was really a, a treat to watch too. And you just have to feel bad for them. And Mohammed Ibrahim, Ibrahim, just talk about three plays back to back to back that totally, you know, Minnesota in the driver's seat. And then Ibrahim goes down, uh, pick six and Tanner Morgan strip sack. Just bummer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean like you you want to see rivals lose in excruciating fashion, but you never want to see anyone get injured in the in the way that Ibrahim did. And um I'm not sure if I was like upset, but like there was a, definitely just a weird air about Twitter after that or as that was happening, because it was just...
0: It seemed like the tur- It was everyone was so confident in, in his injury, and it just was sad.
1: Yeah, and it, it was... Because, I mean, he, he he looked like the Big Ten player of the year. Like, he, he had yeah, I mean, put together a performance that he can build on and have just this incredible season, even if they had lost the game. Um, to, to just be great. Minnesota, it just sucks.
0: They, it looked like Wisconsin. They just, a beefy offensive line, paving the way for, you know, one of the best running backs in the country against, you know, one of the best teams in the country, just daring them to try and stop the run, telegraphing the run, just saying, you know, we're going to run right over you, run, run around you, run over you. And, um, you know, not, not to say Minnesota's, you know, backup is capable enough, but it's still, not not Muhammad Ibrahim.
1: You go from the wagyu to a, a ribeye or, or an Angus, mm-hmm. and it's like there's still that drop off.
0: Yeah, of course. It's, um, nice, it's a nice comparison.
1: I've never had the wagyu either, so Maybe have I. got. Uh, but Dude, but anyways, um, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. Michigan, do we want to talk about Michigan? They had a big blowout. Over I mean, Western, they're Michigan. Playing Western
0: Michigan. I don't care.
1: This this is one where I'm on overreaction launch because Michigan is only seven point favorites to a Washington team that lost to Montana. And I don't know what to think. I think I like Michigan. I think I like the momentum that they have going into this season. I'm going to go down with the Jim Harbaugh ship. I am probably the last person on Jim Harbaugh Island. I like him as a coach. God help me, um, but I'm on, I'm curious about that one, and then I guess maybe maybe as we turn it to looking across the, the landscape, we got Big Nude Saturday, um, Ohio State, Oregon, and Well,
0: Oregon struggled with Fresno State for four whole quarters.
1: I know, I, I, I think I like Ohio State big in that one.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you said Penn State's still your pick uh, to win the Big Ten. I, it's Ohio State until proven otherwise. You know, see at uh, CJ Stroud. You know, he really turned it on the second half. Chris Olave, legit. You know, I mean, uh, for, uh, first team All, all American candidate um, in Oregon. I didn't see the game, but struggling against Fresno State isn't where you want to be. Um, where is that game in Oregon?
1: No, it's in uh, Columbus. Okay. It was supposed I mean, to be Oregon last year, right? Yeah,
0: I think so. Um, um, so, I mean, I, I, what, what is that line? Because I just kind of think Ohio State.
1: It's 14 so, and a half, man. Uh, and yeah, it makes perfect sense. I don't like the hook one bit. Yeah, it's stinky. Not one bit. But uh, probably go with the over there. At the, at the very least, I have, I think, some unders to counter it. So, yeah. Um, I think the thing to watch with the Oregon deal, though, is if Thibodeau is um, good to go because he was injured. And I think that that is part of the reason that they struggle a little bit. I want to talk about Olave for, like, 15 seconds. And they said he's not the fastest guy in the world. But the way he plays is, like, always at 80% speed, which is already really fast. But he's able to stop in a way that not many wide receivers can like stop and change direction. Like he had that one touchdown where he was going down uh, across the field, stopped at the sideline, cut it up. And it's just, holy smokes. And he does it all from going 80% speed to zero back to 80% speed. And it's just like, this man is so fast,
0: So but play slow. Talk about this report. It's so funny you brought that up because I stopped my—I just stopped myself short of saying Chris Alave, if CJ Stroud ends up being more than capable, the classical Ohio State quarterback, Olave could be a dark horse Heisman candidate because I don't want to, first of all, we're coming off a year where a wide receiver won the Heisman. So there's, I kind of believe in that little momentum after it's been, what, 30 years since wide receiver won the Heisman. Um, and it, talk about more hyperbole. When you mention, it looks like he's sort of playing at eighty percent speed or even slow motion, but he's able to change directions so quickly. I mean, that that was Randy Moss, except he was the fastest player to begin with, which probably meant he could change directions as fast as he could. But what made him so, I mean, dangerous was he made a he didn't he made a play on the ball in the absolute last second possible. You know, his hands were just so good. they the you know his hands were faster than his feet. Uh, Randy Moss is just something that. People sort of discount about him, and I saw it the same with Olave, just being able to sort of head fake out the defensive back, um, do, do things with his hands that's, you know, I don't want to say extra legal um, <laughs> while the ball is in the air, and it's fun to watch. He's He was really, really, really good, and at the same time, too, Minnesota's defensive backfield, PU, that that that, that, that was a unit that just wasn't ready to play.
1: But, yeah, uh, talking or emailing with Stoops, and he said somehow PJ Fleck plays this brand of offensive football, but is constantly failed by his defense. And once it's again, so his, his defense just, I don't get it. I don't get it. I guess maybe one last closing thought. Purdue beat Oregon State, and they, they are playing at UConn. This was a game that I don't know why. I think I said this while we were going through schedules. I don't know why Purdue scheduled this game. They are 34 point favorites. Now I know why they scheduled this game. Incredible. Are they incredible getting,
0: getting paid or are they paying Yukon?
1: I think Purdue does this thing where they're, they they're juggling like those power 5 home and homes. And I loosely use Yukon as a power 5. But they're independent, so like, uh, kind of, and they just they just got balls in the air. Oregon State, UConn. Oh, we're gonna play Vanderbilt, and none of these teams are good. But it's like, still, why are you playing these games?
0: That's funny. I do want to just go back to. I said something about Rocky Lombardi ten minutes ago. They okay. ge- they'd be Georgia Tech. 22-21, and he had a clean 11-for-17 with two touchdowns and 136 yards. Um, that means Georgia. What do we call that, a stacko? Is that what we, yeah, to that's what we, we have call to call these? Yeah, Georgia Tech's running back, Harrison Whaley. Cool last name. 27 carries, 144 yards. So, yeah, I guess uh, Wisconsin quarterback. Uh, something, looking at the box score, the punter for Northern Illinois, his last name was Ference. It's spelled differently, though. So get get your hopes don't get your hopes up anymore for that. But I think overall, my point was I think I read um, I can't remember where that there were sixty games this week this past weekend where uh, 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 an FBS team was playing a team a tier below it, and the tier below it won eleven of those sixty games, which is a really high number. (laughs) Uh, for that to happen, and it could have been more. Looking at like you know teams like Fresno State, Northern Illinois, that number could have been even higher. Um, so and just Iowa State. and Iowa State, and it's um uh, makes it makes me kind of glad Iowa scheduled Indiana and not Miami maybe Ohio.
1: Delaney bot, mm-hmm. it 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 spits out some good stuff sometimes. So, I think that's where we'll leave it, Ben. We will be in contact uh, throughout the uh, Iowa State game, I'm sure. Um, but, hey, we, we we're split in predictions, and, you know, one of us will be right. And I think that that's a good place to leave it as, as good as any.
0: Agreeing with every with each other and everything we just get boring.
1: It sure would, Ben. <clears throat> it sure would. So, for Ben Ross, I am Harrison Starr. This was a pants party. Go Hawks. Fox State. Always.